Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of Christian Conspiracy Theory. We are your hosts, Matthew and Aaron Miller. Tonight, we're going to be covering a topic uh, related to lots of things that the Bible has to talk about. And also, of course, the Book of Enoch. As my son has been translating it, that's where this whole show comes from. So let's just get uh, let's just get your opening thoughts, Aaron, on what you were thinking when you come across these verses and what they had to say. Well, um, the thing about reading the Book of Enoch is that I never, I never, um, no, read it word for word. It's like I'm learning it as I translate it. So um, this is how it stuck to me because. Um, in chapter 19, verse 1, it says, And Uriel said to me, Here shall stand the angels who mingled with women, and now their spirits are taking on many forms, causing damage on mankind and seducing them to sacrifice to demons until the great judgment in which they will be condemned in the end. Um, we already did a show formerly about uh, verse 2, which talks about the sirens. But here, um, there's so much here in this the, this chapter, and it's only three verses long. Um, but that word right here, um, this is what stood out to me. And now their spirits are taking on many forms. That word in Greek, it, well, that's not two words. Many forms is actually one word, and it is... Uh, transliterated in our language, polymorpha. And it, it's, it ha, it's a compound word, and you have, and I had to break it down um, so that you all can understand it. But I hope you all know that polymorph, polymorphing is well known in the scientific field. Well, that's right, Aaron, it is. It's very widely used in mathematics and uh, advanced physics. And it catches you by surprise right here because there's no debating what it means. Um, it literally means, uh, well, many shapes, many forms. Um, it comes from G4183 and G3444. And it is a closed compound word. So you always have this problem when you get to the Strong's and you start looking up numbers because, well, there's not a Strong's entry for every single uh, closed compound word that there is found in the Greek text. What really jumps out to me, Aaron, is this one verse, it says it all. It literally says it all. It says, 
mingled with women. It says that their uh, spirits were taking many forms, causing damage and seducing them to what? Sacrifice to demons until the great day. Now, this is pretty critically important. It says that these demons will seduce men to sacrifice to demons until the great judgment in which they will be condemned in the end. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I mean, this this is what's... Um, uh, this kind of throws us off, is are these um, entities being the ones who are being sacrificed to, or are they having them sacrificed to their sons, the Nephilim? Exactly. Let's, let's talk about that. What is the word here used for, for demons? Well, it's the main word that's found in um, in uh, the New Testament for demon. It's daimonio. All right. Well, that beyond any shadow of a doubt, um, we know that people were de uh, possessed by these spirits. You have hit the nail right on the head. It's literally saying that they will provoke people, seduce people, to sacrifice basically to their children these uh, disembodied spirits that died during the flood. So that gives us a key and a clue as to what may be going on. But there's only one way you can you can describe this. Um, when you go to history, uh, when you go to all the legends of all the different uh, cultures on this planet, you are literally talking about an entity that can polymorph. It can change its form or its flesh is a biblical way to put it uh, they could change their flesh so with that in mind what let's let's talk about that for a minute let's let's talk about the whole concept of the skinwalker now the the most famous one uh that i could find was this skinwalker ranch so let's get right into it to what these polymorphing angels because this literally says that it is angels that has the ability to polymorph what has your research found out about what their particular abilities may or may not be in the scriptures are you saying no not in the scriptures we'll get to that after what uh, what did myths and legends say that their abilities were well, the legend said that they that uh, a skinwalker was a witch, basically, and a witch could take on take a flesh of an animal, like as its skin, and wear it, and they could become that animal. So, um, and they would gain the power of that animal for whatever they wanted to do. I see, and. You had a private conversation with a Native American Indian, correct? Yes. We can't mention his name, but in this conversation, why don't you describe some of the things that were directly directly related to uh, their ability to be able to do this? Was there certain criteria that they had to meet before they could do this? Well, they had um, – first and foremost, when I asked him is – um, is a skinwalker a witch, or is a witch a skinwalker? And he said a witch is a skinwalker. That is to say that 
if you're a witch and that concept, you can also be a skinwalker. So um, that's so um, with that in mind, that that we know that witchcraft is um, known to uh, be to have given power through evil acts. And um, the way he explained it to me is that a skinwalker, a person can only become a skinwalker if they sacrificed someone that they loved, someone that was very dear to them, um, to gain this power. And he also pointed out to me that um, uh, this this ability to gain, um, uh, to gain the to shape shift through these skins um, was originally they say for good reasons which was to travel to travel more quickly or to um, carry your um, uh, whatever you've caught for food or whatever and um, so it was for good reasons but witches got a hold of this power um, as they say and they could uh, shapeshift, um, and they um, they they were known for very um, strange ways of gaining power, uh, in, including on putting hexes on people, putting um, a curse on people's bloodlines through um, literally they would take like fingernail clippings or clippings of hair, which in our terms is taking DNA, and by this, they can, um, they could have dominion over a person's line. And I pointed out to him, well, what the Bible says about this is that um, angels have been known to do that. That they could, that they would um, make people, uh, uh, make a pact with them, which would um, give that bloodline to them. And so... Um, as he kept explaining this to me, the more clear it came came to me that they were uh, actually angelic entities. And um, uh, over time, I could assume maybe humans be began to believe that they could do it. But um, first and foremost, I believe that these skinwalkers are angelic entities for um, these re reasons I've just given you. And we're also going to um, get into the the nitty-gritty is about um, the ability, uh, um, what the ability is given to us um, among the Skinwalkers with the accounts of Skinwalker Ranch. Well, I take note that um, you've just described everything the verse in Enoch describes because that's exactly what it says. It says that causing damage to mankind and seducing them to sacrifice to demons, so... When you look at that Greek word, G3075, you have here, because you've keyed it to Strong's, when we take a look at that, that's exactly what it implies, um, uh, you know, to brutally ravage or even maim, and uh, it also means to maltreat, uh, brutally insult, uh, to make havoc of, to wreak havoc. So, literally, you're describing that it, they were granted the powers to, well, either for favor or disfavor, which was all in the eyes of the skinwalker. Um, and that bothers me a lot, because literally you were getting favors uh, from these 
these wicked or unclean spirits, either lightening your load, and obviously they would recognize the genetics. They was able to recognize who you was by the genetic material that they um, would acquire from the witch. So, yes. yes, and um, I also pointed out one time that I was reading a book on demonology, and they um, there was an account given of a man, uh, well, a missionary that was praying with this boy, and a demon uh, possessed him and said through him that that the boy was his because his family had made a pact with them over his blood, and of course that um, that power of of angels and demonic entities has been taken since Christ's return, but um, these entities have been doing stuff like this for a long time. Um, as as we know in Jeremiah, I, I, it escapes me the exact place, but it speaks about taking the taking the bones of your ancestors, um, the of the kings, and laying them out before the host of heaven and the sun and the stars. That's right. That's chapter eight, Jeremiah chapter eight. So we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that they want proof of who you are to make sure um, you who you are who you say you are, and who they're going to assault is the proper well person. To be quite honest with you, but this verse literally comes out and says that one of their sins. Well, you know what? Before we talk about that, in your research, what are some of the occurrences? Uh, that's been investigated, like I mentioned before, the Skinwalker Ranch. What's some of the things that happened there that would lead you to believe these were actual fallen angels? Well, that was the thing. You had me sit. You had me sit down and listen to this interview about um, about this presentation about the Skinwalker Ranch, and you had me listen to it and decide for myself what it was, whether or not it was um, uh, one of the Nephilim or an angelic entity. So I listened, and I already made my decision about halfway through because of all of this that had been said. Um, and first and foremost, when the family that we know of the who came there, um, the when they... When they were going into the house, there was this wolf they described, this huge wolf. They they described his back as being higher than the top of their car, being the size of a of a horse, and um, he just he just walked down calmly in front of them, and um, he he doesn't harm them or anything. He's he's just acting casually like they're not even there, and he walks right past them and attacks this this uh, calf that has poked his nose through one of the fences that was there at the ranch. And he just takes, bites it by the snout and starts pulling. And uh, they they took several different weapons, um, several different um, guns, like a shotgun and a pistol, and they um, were trying to shoot this thing, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't even react. And, um, but finally, they took uh, a blow with a rifle uh, to him, and they explained this piece of flesh and fur was blown off his side. And he just stopped what he was doing. He stopped pulling on that, stopped biting, and 
he just looked at them and walked off casually again. And they explained that when they picked up this piece of flesh, they they said it smelled like it had been rotting, like it was rotting flesh. And um, so that's where I started going, because I know what I've read about this, about this um, angels taking on this flesh, but I'll get that to that in a minute. They also described as seeing um, prints in the snow, and then they would just disappear. They tried to chase this wolf out into the out onto the ranch, and it just its footprints just appeared disappeared out of nowhere. And that was one thing I was like, they these this being had seemed to be metaphysical because um, first of all, he could live, leave a print in the in the snow or in the dirt, so there was something there. But then suddenly he could disappear. And that sounded more to me like an angelic entity than a demonic entity. Uh, I mean, a Nephilim, a Nephilite entity, because um, Nephilim, they, they are fleshly. And they can't, um, unless if they have died, then they become a spirit. They can't be both. I mean, I highly doubt that they can be. And I assume, and that's, angels can't, can move through the different planes of realities. They, um, the Bible calls them heavens. Um, most people nowadays know them as alternate dimensions or whatever. They can move in and out of planes of reality. And um, that's what I describe as metaphysical in our senses because they can just um, become unapparent, but they're still there. Uh, I don't know how to, else to explain it. Um, so, they can morph from being a more uh, tangible thing, physical, to something more spiritual where you can't touch it, but it's still present there. That's what, what metaphysical is. Um, so, that was another thing. And, um, so, I just kept listening and... Um, first of all, like what I said about that putrefying flesh, um, I remembered what I read in the book of Job, um, chapter 7, verse 5. It, um, it says, My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. And one thing you should know about Job is that he kept equating himself with the fallen angels. Um, now, when I say this, people, when I say Job, um, I'm referring to when um, he was talking to his friends, because the book of Job is inspired by the Lord, and he did write it. But um, in the instances when Job is speaking, that's what I mean. Job was, when he was talking with his friends about his troubles, he, he kept equating himself with the fallen angels. And you can't really see that, see it in our language in English. You you can see that in Hebrew and you can see it in Greek. But he keeps um equating himself with the with the fall of the angels that happened um uh before the flood. And um so this this is where I'm get this is this is what cleaned me on. And um what's interesting is that this verse I didn't find it by myself. I found it in rabbinic text.
And they were talking about how the angels took on flesh, mortal flesh. And that's how, like, uh, physical flesh when they were here. And um, the rab this rabbi who was speaking pointed out, um, pointed out this verse to me. It said, my flesh is clothed in worms and in clods of dust. And that word dust is that same dust that um, Adam was formed from in Genesis chapter 2. That word is afar. And um, so they, they were taking some, some dust. It seemed as if they were taking dust from the ground and encrusting their own flesh with it. And um, that's how they became uh, able to uh, cohabit with human beings and bear children was through this um, putting dust onto themselves. But when I'm when I heard this about what happened in Skinwalker Ranch and this this piece of putrefying flesh came off, um, that one part in there says my flesh is clothed with worms and clouds of dust. And um, when I read this before, I'd already been thinking about this before I ever uh, came to came uh, with this story. When I heard this story, it. it um, it only came to me like that because it here it's basically saying that when they clothed themselves with this dust, they it began to rot. Maggots, these worms were crawling in it. So um, I began to think maybe that's how angels. That's why that angel who um, wrestled with Jacob um, in Genesis and the Book of Genesis, um, he said, "I can't." He basically said to him, I can't stay here because um, dawn is coming. Like he had a mission and he could only remain earth at, on earth for a certain amount of time before he had to leave. And he was, um, he was basically like, I need to leave now. And um, I think that maybe when they come to earth and take on this flesh, they can't keep it forever. And I thought about it. Say, if you were to go to the fridge, the refrigerator, and take a bunch of meat and make a shirt, a shirt out of it and wear it for a few days, what would happen? Oh, that's right. It would, uh, wouldn't take very long for it to, well, putrefy. Well, now, be because that's what, that's what it, meat isn't alive. It isn't alive anymore, basically. You've already taken it from an animal it's its cells aren't getting nutrients. It's basically just waiting to putrefy. And angels, when they take this and make this flesh, I don't. It's not alive because it's not a part of them. Their body is not giving nutrients to that. It's they're just wearing it like a piece of clothing. And you're saying that this is why this may be one of the reasons why uh, that's. That myth is in just about every culture that angels, when they come, they have a time limit. Now, um, of course, many um, things that I've looked into in the past states quite clearly that they they must go back up Jacob's ladder, so to speak, uh, go into the next heaven, whether it be up or down, within 24 hours. And... 
when you take a thought process as to why would that be, that would make a whole lot of sense. Now, let's get back to the sacrificing. There was some other events going on that defies explanation on this ranch concerning the cattle. Why don't you describe that and how you think that ties in as to why uh, these entities might be, well, for one, requiring sacrifice? And Well, um, this is known... Um for, this is well known in, in the um, in the conspiracy world about how there's a bunch of random cow cow mutilations and um, in the fields where cows will just be torn apart and no blood is there. And one of those incidences, um, a few of those incidences actually happened in the Skinwalker Ranch, and they described it literally. Their wording was ritualistic. It, it, it said that it it was it would like spread out on its back. This cat, this little calf, like all the flesh, all the, all of its inner organs and its flesh had been taken out. There was just basically, from what I saw, just hair and a head, and right. the rest was just bone. And, and it was and it was spread out eagle like ritualistically. It was literally yeah. spread out eagle. One thing that caught my attention was. This calf weighed 87 pounds and had just been tagged. And I mean, they were still in the field tagging a different calf. This was in line of sight when all this happened, and they didn't see or hear anything. And there was 60 pounds removed from that calf. Another thing that stuck out to me but about that mutilation, um, remember that year that tag was put on? No, I don't remember what, what year that was. That year, that w that tag was put on, was cut off. It was like, oh, cut off with a razor instrument. Like, it was done intentionally because they were tagging it, and the entity had removed that tag for that illicit purpose. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and it, first of all, you're going to think, well, it was an animal attack. There were, there actually, they described there was gnaw marks on those bones. But that, that severed ear was with a sharp razor instrument. That's what it looked like. And whatever was doing this, it was very intelligent. But one thing, um, we're going to get to that, the reason why, the reason why I think it cut off that ear, why it cut off that tag, we're going to get to that later. But what, what, really should stick out to you is that there was no blood there. The blood was gone. And, um, that's the, that's, blood sacrifice is, has been known throughout the centuries. And in Indian, um, in Native American, uh, stories, if you would drink the blood of, um, if you drank the blood of an animal or, um, something like that, you could gain their strength. And we know in the scriptures, um, I know it, the scripture says it a few times, including in Leviticus, but I'm not sure where. But it says that they were, people are not permitted to drink the blood because the life is in it. In fact, um, I remember Noah was told this right after he came off the ark. Um, That's right. So, you're insinuating that they 
needed the blood to oxygenate this flesh they had clothed themselves in. Yes. Here, here, um, I'm opening up Genesis 9, chapter, um, verse 4. It says, uh, But flesh with the life thereof, the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it. And at, at the hand of every man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of a man. So, um, the, you, can, you can eat the flesh. You can eat the meat, but not if there's blood in it. And that's, have the, to drain it. that's, that's why, why we have to drain our, our meat, uh, the blood from our meat, and cook it. So all the blood comes out. So, this is the reason why. And you're saying... And, uh, um, well, let me ask you this. So you're saying that is the whole point, is that the one string of thread here with all these different cattle mutilations, and I mean they've been happening everywhere for a long time, everybody talks about the surgical instruments and you just did. The main point is this. There ain't one drop of blood left. Now... It seems like to me, Aaron, that you're insinuating that they use the blood in order to increase their length of stay. Yes, um, because uh, as I just pointed out, the blood, the life is in the blood. And uh, um, a perfect example is in popular lore today is that vampires, um, first of all, why do vampires drink blood? They don't just do it for fun, do they? No, no. They, they do, The stories go that they have to drink it. They have to drink it to survive. And second of all, they'll drink it in order to stay young, to stay immortal. So um, I've seen so many movies where they would become old and shriveled if they didn't drink their blood. And you're saying... What that's if they... But if they drink it, then they would, they would, uh, it would increase their youth. So this has been known for so long that uh, blood gives you life. That it, and and um, that's the way the Native Americans thought that if that if you stopped drinking all the blood you had, if you started drinking blood to get power, and then you just stopped, then you would um, you would wither away. And um, so that's why they kept drinking blood. And it would give them... Not only did it give them strength, but it gave them youth. So, um... This being pointed out, angelic entities, when they come here, that um, it seems in order to keep that flesh, that flesh that is basically dead, alive, is to fill it with blood. And that's like... Um, if the blood is, if this skin isn't getting any nutrients, maybe they have to put that nutrients in by taking blood from something else. And everything else they do is just a distraction. <laughs> yes. Well, well, I mean, they might have their own reasons. They might have other reasons for them cutting out organs because um, they would take out. They've been well known to take out like um, reproductive organs. So they have other things that they're doing there, I believe, sometimes. But the primary, but another thing that they're doing is taking that blood out of it. And, um... Well, 
let me say this. We went over some stuff from a Army colonel, uh, John Alexander, that had been there. And he puts it in a way that's really interesting to me. He says, he calls this the precognitive sentient phenomena. Phenomena, concepts suggest that there is an external controlling agent that initiates these events that are observed and reported. It appears as though that the angel not only determines all the factors of the event, but is already aware of how the observers or researchers will react to any given stimuli. The agent can be considered like a trickster that is always in control of the observations. Every time the researchers uh, get close to understanding of the situation, the parameters are altered or new variables are entered into the equation. And I said that a minute ago, the only common thread here is the blood. There's not one drop of blood left. Now, we know you insinuated as to why they took the ear. They obviously took it because it had been tagged and it was making a plain statement. No, these aren't your cattle. They're mine. Yeah, and, and that's another thing that came very apparent to me when I was listening to this story, was that, um, first of all, it, this, the, this skinwalker or skinwalkers were basically just tormenting these people. They were just screwing with them. Just doing things to just terrify them out of their wits. Like, um, one instance where they were, they would just, um, take this cow and draw, they said that it seemed like it was taking this cow and dropping it from, um, a high height and just breaking its limbs. And the, the guy, he says this because the guy finds this cow with, several of its limbs broken and he goes out there to and then he goes back in to get stuff to um to tend to it and he goes back out there and it's gone so he goes back inside and then here's this thing crying again he goes out there again and this animal even the animal is back there with even more of its limbs broken like he he was like it was like it was being dropped and just random things like that were happening um Another event that they described was this, um, this, uh, this UFO in our terms came, comes, came down and, um, landed in the yard while this, while only the, um, one woman was, the mistress was on the, in, on the property, and she said she watched it, she locked all the doors and then watched it through her window and saw this, this figure, Dressed, dressed up in an army uniform, just come out of this, um, open up this aircraft and just sit there at a desk, she described, and watch her. It's, just, it's like they were just messing with them um, for no apparent reason. But it became apparent to me that they, this entity was doing something to maintain property. Um, and you tried to discuss me with this, about this, why did I think that? And why was all these, uh, one thing about these events is that they were sporadic. They, these, these events would happen for weeks, and then just stop for a while. And then they would just be, and then it would happen again for a week, and then another time for maybe three days, and so on. And, um, so... You asked me why why I thought that, and I was like, 
Well, think about this. There are people around here in our town that'll just buy houses because no one uh, they'll just they'll own several houses in town, right? Mhm. And they, I mean and sometimes they'll just decide, well, I want to live in that house for um this month or whatever. So they move over there. And then they go back. I also knew this guy, know this guy who um goes back and forth to his to his ranch some ways out of town and comes back into town where well he mostly lives here in town. Um but he'll just go out to his ranch sometimes when he wants to. So I was just like, well, it's, what if it's the, the way of this entity maintaining property? Say that he owns, uh, this angelic entity owns property of his own in some other, um, say on another side of the world. Yet somehow he obtained property here in the United States in uh, the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah they he maintain he got this land perhaps through um sacrifice or something by uh, the native americans and he gained that property and he just moves back and forth say he lives on his own land on the other side of the earth um for however long he wants to but he comes back and back to this plot of land to just maintain it that's the way I said it, just maintain the land. I mean, if you don't, if you own two houses and um, you just have a house over here what, and you don't even use it, how is it even yours? I mean. Well, that kind of caught my attention. You mean like property management, like he's managing yeah. that property. And that really stuck out to me. And the simple fact that, this colonel went way out of his way to make sure that uh, the interviewer knew no one had ever been hurt. Yeah, just the animals. No humans were hurt in any way. So they were literally trying to scare them off their property. <laughs> just but like what? you said, they were managing their property, and they didn't want these people on it. They wouldn't harm the people, but... They didn't have a problem messing with the animals. They just screw and hurt, screw with and just hurt the animals all the time. Just do whatever. Like one time they described this strange looking animal. They described it as having, uh, looking like a hyena with a, a fox's tail. That's the best thing you could describe it. He just was scratching at the legs of the horses, just clawing at them for no reason. And um, it was like they just, they were doing something to the animals, but they weren't doing anything to the humans. They just wanted to drive them out for some reason. And why why I think that he was cutting off the attacks from these people, from this animal, why he cut that ear off, and while he's attacking all these animals, is because he's trying to say to them, this isn't your land, it's mine. Say, what if, I were to buy um, the neighbor's house, and uh, I own that. Yet another guy um, claims that he owns it and sells it to somebody else. This guy and this other person comes and lives on that property, even though it's mine. And right. 
and they were, that that was that was never given to them to sell it away to somebody else. So he's basically saying, "This isn't your property; it's mine, and it never was yours." And he's like, "Well, if you own all these cattle on my land, then it's mine. They're my cattle too, right?" That's right. That's that's what you would naturally assume. And so when they tried to tag this this um, calf as uh, as their own, like basically saying, "Well, this is my calf. I'm going to put my tag on it." Well, Aaron, this angelic, this entity came in, cut off that ear where the tag was, and took it. Yeah, because he didn't cut off both ears. Yeah, just that one. The tag was gone. So, let's talk about this for a minute. That being said, everything being said, why would an angel put on the flesh of a wolf? Well, like, where Enoch describes that that they keep taking on these forms, they, they would just continue to polymorph. Perhaps... I maybe that's the way of maintaining the flesh. Well, maybe they maybe if they um, keep changing the nature of if they keep polymorphing this flesh into um, say they make this dust the um, the human flesh for a certain amount of time, then they transform it into cow flesh, and then transform it into wolf flesh. Um, to in a way, if they keep polymorphing it that flesh to a different kind, then maybe they can make it last longer, in a way. And um, when I speak to this Native American about it, he said, their skins could wear out. You could change into this animal for so much time, and it would just start wearing out. So they would, they would try to put um, preservatives in the flesh to keep it as long as they could. <laughs> so you mean that the Native Americans... Uh, had a hint as to what was going on long before uh, the Americans did. So a lot of these ideas that you're coming up with coincide with what this Native American told you. So, yeah, when, when he was talking to me, I was just it was just like it just became more and more evident to me. Well, from the beginning, it was evident to me that this was an angelic entity. When you were when you asked me, do you think this is an angel, or do you think it was a nephilite, one of the nephilim? And I was like, well, I think it's an angel. That was pretty clear to me. And then you asked me why, and these are all the reasons why. It was just really clear to me. I didn't really have to think that hard about it. Well, Aaron, how can you relate these things to the biblical text? What verses can we look at? that sheds light on this situation you're talking about, the simple fact that this angel took on, well, a wolf's form, and for the above stated reasons, it was doing property management, it was trying to scare the living daylights out of them, get them to leave. That being the case, you wouldn't take on the flesh of a bunny rabbit. You wouldn't take on the flesh of a kitty cat. So, we have the mode already establishes to, you know, why they would do this. And this was temporary. Eventually, this wolf body that they had clothed would wear out. They could extend that 
I mean, you already pointed out that maybe it is 24 hours or maybe it has something to do uh, between sunrise and sunrise or sunset and sunset one day. Uh, after one day, this this body of theirs, this puppet of theirs would wear out and they could extend its life by acquiring blood and work into the next 24-hour time period or whatever it may be. Perhaps it's one week or perhaps it's six days. But at any rate, the taking of this blood and replenishing their suit with it, you know, well, their their skin suit would extenuate the time factor. So Yes, um, well, I, I want you all people to understand, to, uh, I want to point this out to you guys that um, – this concept of skinwalking isn't isn't only known in the Native American stories because the um, the pagan gods were known to take different forms all the time. Right. Right. They, like like um, uh, they were known as avatars um, in like Hindu and Buddhist religions. Like that, um, their gods would um, take on the form of a cow one time, or an elephant man one time, or just another human. And they would just um, do this sporadically. That's that's how they manifested themselves on this planet, they say. Um, and whenever you um, look in most religions, if you look at their gods, they, they like the depictions of them, their idols, they look like animals, like Creatures that mean crossed with humans or just something like that, um, and this is this isn't very common in Greek mythology, but we do know that um, the story of how Zeus transformed himself into a swan, right, right. to um, to bear uh, Castor and Pollux, and he also uh, transformed himself into a cow to uh, uh, take Europa with him to seduce right. her. Right, okay. and, and um, and um, maybe this could be one of the reasons. Uh, this could be another reason why they keep changing their form, um, because well, the ancients were pointing out it was because they were seducing them. For some reason, I don't know. Well, let's talk about this. So this wolf was obviously um, you're stating an angel. It was a fallen yes. angel. Now, when people could do this, um, because obviously um, the Native Americans think that people could acquire this this right by sacrificing a loved one, this is the way I see it, that they could put on a skin and this unclean spirit could change the perception of anybody around them to make them think that it was actually a wolf they were looking at. And they, they described that this was used to uh, spy out the... Uh, cavalry soldiers, the U.S. cavalry soldiers, they would change into one of these creatures and sneak into the camp and listen to their plans. Well, and, I'm, well, well, yeah, like um, familiar spirits. Whenever a witch de- has described in history of a familiar spirit, it's like a little animal. Right. So that's my contention that when a person was doing it, they weren't actually doing it, but the demon they were sacrificing to. Uh, was changing the perception of the people that saw it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and and then again, it might have been degraded through time. 
that people began to think that, well, these entities that we're seeing, what if they're witches or something like that? Well, the, I mean, I mean, myths and legends are um, drawn from things that are seen and known among people, and people said what they thought about it, you know? Well, that that's one thing I wanted to ask. So, these witches had names, they lived in the tribe, they were part of the tribe? Well, they well, that was the thing. They would live somewhere out, secluded outside of where everybody else was living. <laughs> so they weren't a part of the tribe. So, okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, that 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 states the obvious. So, Aaron, let's get to the Bible. Does the Bible describe the angels uh, in any text or speaks about flesh in this way? Uh, that would uh, give credence to any of these uh, propositions you're putting forth? Um, well, uh, the one that we, uh, that seemed clearest to us was Jude, chapter 1, uh, verses 6 to 7. And it says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, and have reserved in ever, have been reserved in everlasting chains, chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, as set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Well, that ties right into what everybody doesn't like about Genesis chapter 6, part 2. I mean, we know part 1. Uh, they came down and took wives. But verse 12 says something that, well, I mean, what you just read could be referring to it. God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Now, the New Testament goes on to elaborate the different types of flesh. Um, do you have that? That scripture handy, it's in 1 Corinthians 15. Can you describe what it states in the New Testament about different types of flesh? Well, it says um, in, for, uh, in verse 30, 39, it says, All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men and another of beasts, and another flesh of birds and another of fish. And then it goes on in verse 40 and it says, there, there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. So, literally, when you put all these verses together, you're saying that they can manufacture any flesh they want, and any strange flesh is other than their own. Obviously, it's stated in Genesis chapter 6, verse 12. Now... Boy, that, that takes on a different form when you look at something like uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. You know, Aaron, it makes me think of a lot of the reports where people would see um, entities that obviously had a fleshly form but were not human. And they would immediately go get their rifle and start shooting at it. Yes. And this was even clear to us in Genesis chapter 3, when it talks about the serpent. 
And in verse 14 it says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon the belly thou shalt go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. So this ties in directly with what you mentioned in Job. And, mm -hmm. and let me remind everybody, you can't see that in English, but when you read the particular chapters in Job, when he is in discourse with his friends, he he repeatedly refers to himself as being an angel. Now, not literally, but figuratively. He, he does it, and you can only catch it in the Hebrew and the Greek, but it is all over the place there in those discourses. So yeah, he even goes further. He says, he in uh, chapter 16, verses 14 to 15, he says, He breaketh me with breach upon breach. He runneth upon me like a giant. I have sewed sackcloth upon my skin and defiled my horn in the dust. Which is an overt reference to what you just talked about. Yeah, well, well like Job com continues time after time to describe... Um, taking this clothing of uh, dust and wearing it. And, th and in some way, they begin to defile themselves with it. And as I pointed out in Genesis chapter 3, that they had to start eating this dust, um, therefore describing that they had to drink the blood to maintain it. Oh my goodness, I wonder how many people's looked in that verse in that light would just come out of your yeah, mouth. Yeah, I, I know. I, I didn't even think of it until today when we were putting notes together. I was like, wait a second. It does say that about the serpent. Yes, it does. You don't have to like it, Aaron, but that's what it says. And when you start studying something, it's amazing how you... Uh, look, Aaron, how many times have you read that verse in your life? I don't even count. Then why did you just see it today? Because, I mean, there's, uh, there's a simple way to look at it. You know, men are made from dust, and when they die, they, um, they return to dust. And then Satan might be eating this dust of their death, I guess. That makes sense. And you just put but, two and two, and yeah. you, put, you just put two and two together, that... That was overtly referring as to why there's no blood in these mutilated cattle. Now, we don't know what they're doing with the body parts. They could be actually eating it, as that's referred to, you know, angels being made meals and things like that. And obviously they eat manna, correct? Mm -hmm. The Bible loudly declares that that is their food. That's, irregardless of this, we know the life is in the blood, so they must be taking an that's what will blow your mind. It's like somebody took a vacuum cleaner and literally sucked out all the blood. There's no blood left at all. And that must be being used for a purpose, so I found that intriguing. Yes, I mean, there. I remember listening to some uh, alien UFO documentary where they described a man being um, abducted. And they searched for him all over the place. And then they found this one place where there was just a snake that had been dried of all all of his blood, right there, just well, randomly. And and I'm I don't remember what happened to this man, but that gave uh, 
that gave clues to where he had been. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, Aaron, we're coming up on uh, the end of the broadcast, so we can certainly go for however long you'd like to, but we've been on for 56 minutes now so far. So let's go ahead and get to everything that you were wanting to get to and put a cap on this particular episode. So I don't mind how much further you go on. Just do it in mind that we're at the close now. So what's your other thoughts that you wanted to bring to light, other scriptures in relation to this? Uh, whatever, wherever you'd like to go is fine with me. Well, um... Well, I, I searched the um, the prophets for this because I was like, well, I need to stop looking in Job because it's all over the place in Job. <laughs> so I, I decided to look into the prophets. And it in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. So they were also hiding with this flesh. And another thing in Habakkuk, uh, chapter 1, verse 10, it says, And they scoff at kings, and the princes shall be scorn, and unto them they shall deride every stronghold for every heap of dust, and take it. Well, that's got double ramifications there. It could also be mean, just like what you said, property management. He claimed this land, and he was just trying to get the occupants off of it. So that's a double metaphor there. Anything else? Well, to um, just finish off with the story of just a recap of all that stuff that happened on Skinwalker Ranch, it was very evident to me that this entity had was not there for any specific evil reason. He was just there to be maintaining property, and he wanted to derive to drive these people out from it, and. Um, so he wasn't just, uh, like, performing tests on these people. He wasn't, you know, it was just like he just went out there to screw with them. Like, um, just a jokester. Like, well, like what you said with that colonel. He said a trickster. He was just, well, it, in, in some ways, playing practical jokes on them. Well, very scary practical jokes. He was trying to... Yeah. To scare their wits. I mean, just scare the wits right out of them. This reminds me, it echoes of something else I know in the Bible, about the entities that would be sent into Canaan to drive them out. Now, if you were doing everything that's described at Skinwalker Ranch to the Canaanites, I assure you they would have fled. They would have been driven out. Because... Eventually, of course, we, we get the tale that by the time these investigators got there, the entire family was sleeping on the floor in one room. They were terrified. Well, yeah, when they came to the house, they said there was bolts on every door. So, and it was like that when they came there, when they first moved in. And it seems like that this angel was getting away with it because it was very careful not to hurt anybody. Or... Let's, let's put that in a better light. It was careful not to molest anybody. It only did physical harm and molestation to the cattle, to the animals. Because it wasn't just the cattle. Um, 
it would also do things to the dogs, so it just wasn't regulated to the cows. Yeah. What What do you mean? Um, what do you mean by molestation? Well, um, many people, you know, in these circles that um, purport the UFOs that it's actually aliens are saying that they're taking with them and doing breeding programs and all of that. But we know that will incur the wrath of God. So, by molestation, I mean any maltreatment. Yeah. Anything. They weren't taking them onto spaceships and, you know, probing them. They weren't getting probed or anything like that. They weren't being harmed or anything. They were just having the holy daylight scared out of them. In an obvious effort to, well, just like I said, it says of the Canaanites, so that they would be driven from the land, because that's where they were at. By the time these investigators showed up, they were ready to leave right then. They they were ready, but they had no financial means to do that. So this rich man steps in and buys the ranch, and then pays them enough to stay on while these investigators stay there with them. So, I found that rather interesting as well. But Aaron, your final comments, please. Well, this isn't uh, this is, it didn't stick out to me that there's a specific type of entity that can transform into um, can polymorph. Just any angelic entity can, because um, all these angels, these entities, were doing all these different things that angels are commonly known to do. So. Um, kind of like uh, you can't have soup without the broth I guess well we do know that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 40 says this there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies but the glory of one heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly is another so there's a differentiation there and it goes on to say one glory of the sun is another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for stars differ from stars in glory, thereby inferring that there are different types of angels, no doubt about that. But, um, Aaron, good stuff. I really did enjoy the broadcast and the conclusions that you came to, and how you were able to tie that back to the Bible. And, and you know, that's why people read uh, pseudepigraphal works anyways, to get more information. But really, your basis is right there in Scripture, everything that he had already stated. I mean, there was no reason for uh, the Lord our God to wipe out, you know, uh, all the cows, all the lions, all the tigers, all the bears. But, obviously, from Genesis chapter 6, verse 12, these angels had corrupted all flesh. That's what it says. You just have to accept it. It does say all flesh. So, with that in mind, what is our next broadcast going to be? Have you figured that out yet? I'm not for sure. Well, I had planned to do uh, the Flaming Sword in the East, but if you work something else out, we'll go ahead and do that. But as far as right now, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be the next show. Where is the Flaming Sword in the East? And... Why is it that the Lord our God states that at the end time, that Hades will be increased? Well, 
And then I shall explain that on the next Christian Conspiracy Theory. So until next time. God bless.